Hey guys, it's Michelle Pilipich, registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of the Simply Intuitive podcast, where we talk about all things intuitive eating and break down what's true versus what's diet culture so that you can focus on the simple and sustainable ways to actually improve your wellness. Today, we are expanding and combining the nutrition topics with mental health. I'm talking to Kelly McKenna of Sit With Kelly on Instagram. She is a therapist who specializes in anxiety, and I know there's so much overlap with anxiety and eating disorders or disordered eating. I see it a lot in my clients. I personally have struggled and have, I do struggle with anxiety myself. And so this was a really fun chat to have with Kelly. We talked about different lifestyle techniques to incorporate to help improve your anxiety. She is so full of tips and tricks and suggestions on what to do, what not to do to feel your best mentally. We also talk about nutrition practices that you can try if anxiety really kills your appetite. That is such a common struggle. And so I really did a deep dive on what you can do to help with that. Um, We talk a lot about social media. We even opened up our own screen time (laughs) while recording, and we're both kind of horrified (laughs) by our habits. So a lot for us to learn and take away from this conversation, and I know you will learn a lot and have some good takeaways as well. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Welcome. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to be joining you today. I'm excited to chat. Um, So before we dive into our topic, can you just introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, So my name is Kelly McKenna. You can find me on Instagram at sitwithkelly. Um, But I am a licensed therapist and I really specialize in working with teens and women in their 20s and 30s that are dealing with anxiety. Um, I also have anxiety myself, and that's something that I talk about regularly on my Instagram page, too. Yes, people probably already are following you on Instagram. <laughs> You're like an Instagram celeb. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, anxiety is going to be our topic of the day. It's something I also personally relate to very much and overlaps so much with disordered eating. So many, right. many of my clients experience anxiety and I wanted to talk to you about not only what it is and how it affects people, but also how it manifests physically since that can have such an impact on appetite, uh, food behaviors, all of that stuff that I talk about with clients. So before we get into that, can you give us like a high level definition of, and it might sound kind of obvious to be like, like anyone with anxiety probably knows what it feels like, but it is a term that's thrown around so much. And so, you know, some people might use the word anxiety to refer to stress. So tell us like, what is anxiety? How is it different from daily stress? And what are the different like flavors of anxiety, if you will, from like panic to not or whatever else? Yeah. So anxiety is something that like every single person experiences, right? So whether you've been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or not, you definitely know that feeling of anxiety. It's similar to stress. It's similar to like nervousness, um, you know, that kind of like gut feeling of what's going to happen. But with an anxiety disorder, those feelings are pretty constant, right? So it's not linked to a specific stressor, like maybe 
before you interview for a new job or something, you get anxiety. Um, but after you interview, that anxiety goes away. With an anxiety disorder, it's kind of like that constant state of nervousness or feeling on edge. Um, it's hard to control these kind of like overthinking spirals. It interferes with your everyday life. So it might make relationships hard or it might affect your sleep or your health. It might make it hard for you to perform at work. Um, you might feel kind of like restless or tired or irritable. And just like your brain is always kind of going to that worst case scenario, living on edge and kind of preparing for all the what ifs. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so what about um, kind of more intense anxiety? Like how does someone know when they need to seek help for it and like what kind of help to seek? Yeah. So I would say if you're noticing that anxiety is holding you back from doing the things that you'd like to do, I would definitely encourage you to seek help. And I think that so many times people like compare themselves to others and it really gets in the way of seeking help and seeking therapy. So maybe you're not having anxiety attacks or panic attacks, but you're feeling really anxious all the time and it's making you cancel plans with friends or not go out on dates or stay in a job that you hate because the idea of putting yourself out there is like way too overwhelming. Those are real consequences, right? And I think that that is still a real signal that you would benefit from therapy and from getting that anxiety under control. Um, it may still always be there, but that way that feeling of anxiety no longer is controlling your life, right? Like you're able to actually manage it and live and do the things that make you happy. Yes. I love that explanation because it's so similar to what I tell people about their relationship with food, right? Mm -hmm. Like somebody doesn't need to be diagnosed with a full-blown eating disorder in order to see a dietitian, get nutrition help. But if you are even like thinking about food more than you want to be, then yep. that is a perfectly good reason to get support. <laughs> so yeah, that's a really great point. And I mean, even personally, I relate like yes, I have a lot of anxiety and would still consider myself a fairly like outgoing and social person. And so yeah. even though like maybe that doesn't fit the bill of holding me back from doing things, I still feel anxious doing them. <laughs> and so yeah. like, that's not good. I don't want to do that. Um, so yeah, definitely worth seeking support. And that is kind of all the like mental side of things, the overthinking. Can you talk about the physical manifestations of anxiety? Yeah. So when your body is feeling anxious, you kind of go into this fight or flight response, right? Which can cause all kinds of physical symptoms. Um, so you might feel like exhausted, right? You might have no energy. You might have trouble sleeping. You might be really like irritable and snappy with people. So it also might like in the moments where you're feeling really anxious, you might have like that racing heart rate. You might have like stomach pain or cramping, um, sweaty hands. Um, you know, your breath gets like faster and quicker. You might have like dry mouth or, you know, tension in your jaw, right? So there's so many different ways that we experience anxiety in our bodies. Um, and I think for a lot of people that can actually cause anxiety about the anxiety, right? Like hundred oh, <laughs> percent. They're like, how do I know though that like, I'm not going to have a heart attack? How do I know yes. that like something's not really wrong? Why am I feeling this way all of the time? Yeah. Yeah. It is certainly a big issue. And I think, I mean, I know that the 
stomach digestion manifestations are what I hear most from my clients. Um, and I'm sure you know this, but such like my favorite fun fact to share with my clients about the anxious state and that fight or flight response is that, you know, I explain it in terms of where that really originated, right? Like if you're running away from a bear or lion or whatever, like you have to prioritize the organs that are going to help you survive. So Mm -hmm. your heart, your lungs, all of those things that help you like physically run away and be safe. (laughs) (laughs) And blood flow is literally pulled away from your digestive organs, which are not necessary in that moment. So you don't have the blood flow and function for your digestive system to be most effective when you're eating a meal while you're feeling anxious. And so, of course, it's going to lead to all those like GI symptoms as well. That was the biggest struggle that I had with anxiety for like the longest time. Mm -hmm. Uh, It actually really started for me, like the stomach stuff after I moved to New York after graduating grad school. And I swore like something was like in the water or I had also taken like a trip to Costa Rica before moving to New York. <laughs> I, was, I have like some kind of weird like parasite of me for years. I was like something yeah. is wrong with my stomach. Um, and it wasn't until I really got serious about like treating my anxiety and doing my own work that my stomach issues started to get way more under control. Yes. Okay. That's really funny. I don't think I knew that about you, but (laughs) I've shared that before. (laughs) I literally had the exact same experience. Like I've always had a sensitive stomach since I was a kid. Um, I remember before my first piano recital in fourth grade, I was like, mom, I can't perform. Like I'm sick. My stomach is upset. And she was like, no, that's just what happens when you're nervous. (laughs) Um, But then even like end of college and grad school, I for sure was like, am I gluten intolerant? Am I allergic to something? Like what is going on? I would get stomach aches every day. It was so bad. And I mean, the anxiety in grad school was like, of course, through the roof. (laughs) And it was actually part of what really led me to be interested in nutrition because I did never completely, but I was doing like the paleo diet, whole 30, because I'm reading about people saying, oh, this healed my gut and digestion. And I was like, well, I have a digestion problem. Let me try whole 30. Did it help anything? No, it it would help initially. This is what was so funny. And something I hear from many clients, I initially would feel better. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, this is it. Because mentally I thought like, this is the solution. So I was just more relaxed about it. And then after a while, I was like, none of this makes sense. There's no consistency. It's not that it's always gluten or it's always dairy, but I would notice that my stomach always felt the best when I was on vacation. And I was like, okay, there's a clear. When you're probably eating all the gluten and all the dairy. Whatever I wanted. Yeah. I was like, why is this happening? And then it wasn't, I also did this whole protocol of like supplements to heal my gut and whatever. And maybe that played a role. Hard to say because I finished it at the same time that I started anxiety medication. And I was Uh like, oh, I feel great. So (laughs) that really solved the stomachache issue. Um, So I always emphasize to clients like, you know, just the role that anxiety plays in your digestive system, not to invalidate, not to say that like, oh, you're making it up. It's all in your head. Like, no, those feelings are real. I get it. (laughs) And 
it's not always a reason to overhaul your diet. Right. And I think too, like that's, I love how you said, like, it's not necessarily all in your head because I think that so often, like it's, it is so much less tangible than food. Right. And people wish like, oh, I could just like stop feeling anxious. I wish that I could just tell myself to snap out of it, but it's not that easy. Right. Even though you can't see it, it is something real that's happening to your body. Um, and that is what's causing like all of this pain and disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really important to treat the anxiety as well. Yeah. So what are your top recommendations for people who do experience their anxiety very physically? And it can be, you know, not just stomach issues, but whether it's like muscle tension, sleep disturbances, anything else. Yeah. So typically I work with new clients for maybe like two or three months before recommending talking with like a psychiatrist or a nurse practitioner about medication, Mm -hmm. unless they're having like anxiety attacks or panic attacks. Right. Like if that, um, if those physical symptoms are coming on really, really intensely and frequently, then I'll suggest like, hey, why don't we just try medication from the jump? But I think there's a lot of lifestyle changes you can make and coping skills that you can learn that can help you to kind of regulate that anxiety um, and get it a little bit under control. So therapy is huge. Um, getting your sleep right is huge making sure that you're drinking water and actually eating meals throughout the day is huge. Big one. (laughs) Um, You know, talking about your feelings and not just like storing them, um, but actually like working through some of that anxiety. And then I'm big on like mindfulness practices too. So whether that's like exercise and getting your body moving, breath work, meditation, progressive muscle relaxation. Like Mm -hmm. I always tell clients we kind of have to experiment and try a few different coping skills because some of them are absolutely not going to work for you, but we just need one or two that really do when you're starting to feel anxious that we can incorporate into your routine. Right. Right. And so do you feel like it's important to have those things not mastered? Like, do we ever master them, but (laughs) um, a regular practice before starting medication? Like, how do you see the combination of lifestyle change and medication if that's what someone needs and chooses? Yeah. So I think everything goes like in tandem, right? Like the research shows us that medication, specifically like SSRIs, are most effective when paired with therapy. Um, That's not to say like if a client wants to start medication from the jump, I am all for it. Um, I'm personally on anxiety medication myself, but you know, I'm not going to suggest that to somebody until we've really built that relationship and there is some trust there and they know that they've tried kind of like the less intensive options first. Mm -hmm. Also, because even with medication, right, if you're still not getting enough sleep, if you're still not eating, if you're still not talking about your shit, you're probably still going to feel pretty anxious. (laughs) 100%. Yeah. It's really the holistic picture. And I mean, I love that you mentioned, um, you know, eating those consistent meals, because even things that sound as simple as balancing blood sugar, Mm -hmm. like that has a huge effect on anxiety. If you've ever gone five, six more hours without a meal, you probably start feeling anxious. (laughs) Like that that happens. So yeah, it can almost be the chicken or the egg, right? Like, well, what do I really need to to improve this? So could I ask you a question? Totally. What are like your top tips or recommendations for people who experience no appetite 
because of the anxiety. I get this question so much from clients and from people on Instagram. So I yes. would love to take. Same. No, same. My clients ask me this all the time. So a few things. Um, one would be to really pay attention to the clock. So <laughs> eating something every three to four hours is most beneficial for keeping your blood sugar stable, which keeps your mood stable, your energy, all of those other things. So if you don't have an appetite and you're not getting those consistent hunger cues, you might need to literally set alarms. I've even told some clients and some people have found this helpful that when you're eating a meal, set a timer for three hours and uh -huh. then eat when that goes off. And while you're eating, set it again for three hours so yeah. that you can just be reminded. So really watching the clock, um, taking a practical approach. And in terms of what to eat, lean into whatever is most enjoyable to you. So mm -hmm. this is not the time to be worried about vegetables and nutrition and am I eating quote unquote healthy enough. Yep. Eating enough is always the first priority and eating something is better than nothing. So yep. you definitely want to figure out what is going to be the meal that you're just able to complete. So leaning into comfort foods, like for me, I have a huge sweet tooth. I will choose sweet over savory nine times out of 10. So I probably would not try and force myself to like eat a big, I don't even know what salad. Well, I also can always go for pizza, but <laughs> salad, but maybe I would have oatmeal or a PB and J or a meal that's like a little bit on the sweeter side. Yeah. Um, for snacks, you know, maybe you have cookies and milk or something. Um, just leaning into what you know you like and is most tolerable and keeping it simple. So, you know, if you're not in the mood for anything and you can't even identify what you like, maybe you just go for more like bland something to just get energy in your system. Um, and a lot of people find it easier to drink rather than eat. So smoothies, juices, um, protein shakes, anything mm -hmm. that you can drink instead of eat might be easier. Awesome. I love those tips. Yeah. So those are, those are what tend to work. Have you, is it lack of appetite something that you struggle with and have you ever tried yeah. anything that helped? <laughs> I'm like, so like my own <laughs> I'm like, I'm anxious. Like, can I eat all of the food in my kitchen? Yeah. No, I mean, that's also of anxiety. <laughs> yes. That's also a very real thing. I think I, I don't, I was going to say maybe I lean that way. I don't know. I, I do rarely like forget to eat. So <laughs> um, yeah, some people worry about stress eating and like, oh my gosh, now I'm just going to eat everything. And so in that regard, you don't want to restrict yourself. We know that restrict binge cycle. Like you don't want to yeah label anything as off limits. So like, yes, give yourself the food that sounds comforting and do the other things that you were talking about, you know, have those lifestyle practices that also feel comforting and help to decrease the anxiety. Yeah. Like I, think, I think a big thing for me has been just like slowing down and checking in and saying like, am I hungry or am I uncomfortable with this feeling of anxiety and trying to get it to go away? Right. And I think that that's huge because if you're hungry, of course, you should eat, right? And sometimes it's okay to stress eat too, like just mm -hmm. because that feels good emotionally. But if you're just constantly avoiding, like dealing with those feelings of anxiety and sitting in it, 
Like that's not going to get better just because you're eating. That feels good in the short term, right? But that anxiety is still there. And so what else can we do to really deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people like emotional eating is, it is a tool. You just can't let it be your only tool. Totally. So you talked about some practices like lifestyle changes and tips for people. I would love to hear more of like your personal day-to-day routine for managing anxiety. Like give us a day in the life of Kelly, the anxiety expert. (laughs) So I wake up usually after like eight hours of sleep because sleep is super important to me. First up, yeah. (laughs) Um, I take my Lexapro. I make my breakfast and I usually start off with like eggs. Um, I'm like a big, my husband hates mushrooms and they are my favorite vegetable. Okay, have you ever had fried mushrooms? Um, No, but that sounds delicious. (laughs) I just had it for the first time in Texas last week. Fried mushrooms as like an appetizer at this restaurant. I don't know what the dressing was, some kind of gravy. They were great. So you need to go to Texas and have them. (laughs) Pickles with ranch. So I'm here for the fried mushrooms too. (laughs) Yeah, so my husband hates mushrooms, so like I love them, and I usually like we usually cook meals together. Mm -hmm. So I usually have like eggs and mushrooms with like some cheese or toast or something in the morning for breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I try and wait to have my coffee until after I've like had breakfast and even done like an hour or two of work because like I've gotten enough sleep, I'm awake, I can start my day, (laughs) and I find that by postponing the coffee a little bit, it really helps my anxiety too. That is key. That's so smart. You know, I should try that. (laughs) Caffeine really (laughs) affects me. And, you know, I know that matcha is better for like making you less jittery and everything. I just cannot get on the matcha train. I just don't like it. It tastes so disgusting. (laughs) I'm like, this is dirt. I can't. (laughs) Sorry Uh, to anyone who loves matcha. Great tip. Coffee after like an hour after meals. Yeah. So I love that. Um, you know, I usually do some work and then I always make sure to schedule like breaks in the day. So like not just, you know, eating lunch while I'm doing notes and like a really 15 minutes quick between clients, but actually scheduling at least an hour, sometimes two for a lunch break. Um, I love to like go outside and go for a walk after I eat just to kind of, you know, refresh, take a break, get off my screens. Um, so I love that. I usually work out either before work or after work, but I find that like moving my body is really helpful for me in terms of reducing anxiety. Um, So I try and make that a regular part of my routine, whether it's walking or Pilates or, you know, like a HIIT type class. I love doing all of that. What else? Cooking, watching TV, reading. (laughs) That's great. Do you feel the same benefits? Because I know a lot of people who feel anxious, feel like they have to run or like do super high intensity things. Um, So how do you get that same mental benefit from like Pilates and more low impact activities? Yeah. So I definitely used to be like a full hit girl. Like I loved the endorphins that it would give me. It really allowed me to like shut off, focus on myself. And I think really like release a lot of that stress, but it's also super stressful on your body. Right. And so while it does feel like a stress relief, it's like increasing all those stress hormones in your body. And so since slowing down and trying to do some more Pilates, I'm finding 
like a lot calmer state in general. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really nice to still get that movement in, still have like an hour where I'm in a class, I'm not on my phone, I'm like purely focused on myself. Um, But it feels really good to kind of like exercise in that way. And it's almost, it's not because it's like hard. I do the micro reformer machines, but it almost feels like so hard, but it feels like similar to like a meditation type thing where you're like just kind of quieting your mind a little bit and you're being still, you're holding these movements for a while. Um, yeah, so I really enjoy it. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> when I've done those classes, I'm like, this feels painful. <laughs> I feel like harder than the hit classes sometimes. Yeah. No, it really is. So do you have any advice or tips for someone who's wanting to get into that more like slow mindful state because that's also something that i recommend to people even taking like a minute before a meal to do deep breathing just to get your body more relaxed so that you can eat more comfortably digest more comfortably but that's hard for a lot of people and meditation is hard and mindfulness is hard so what are your beginner tips for like getting into this more calm and mindful headspace yeah So one I think is like recognize progress and don't look for perfection. So if you're somebody who's always thinking, 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 your brain is probably not going to just turn off and that is okay. But even putting your phone on airplane mode for, you know, two minutes before you eat and then 10 minutes while you're eating your meal, that's huge. And it might feel uncomfortable to just sit there and be, but it doesn't have to look like deep breathing and like you know, imagining your calm place at the beach or something mm-hmm. to be mindful. I think just like being present in the moment is super huge. Um, so that's one. I'm a huge fan of like closing the laptop and putting your phone on airplane mode. Yes, uh, taking that real lunch break. Yes. Another is I just discovered this app called Othership and it's like a breathwork app, but it's very cool. The I don't know if you've done like Headspace or Calm before. Yes, I've done those. So those are like a little, I don't know. I get a lot of clients. I I like them personally, but I get a lot of clients when I encourage them to try it. They're like, that's like too frou-frou for me. Or like, I'm not that calm girly. I'm not just going to like sit there. (laughs) And what I love about Othership is it almost feels like a workout class. They have kind of like hipper music. um, You know, they're... I don't know. It's it, it's guided breath work, but it feels a lot more like modern and fun. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that's been like kind of a cool recommendation to try for people if you find like kind of the more yogi style stuff is not your speed. Right. And it's called Othership. Yes. Cool. I um, email you like a link after this for like a I don't know. I think they have like a free two week trial or something. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And I will, I will share the link. I'm going to try it myself. That's cool. Yeah. I am very into the like, woo woo, whatever, yeah. <laughs> but it's certainly not for everyone. Um, yeah. People do. People do certainly feel like that's a bit much for them. <laughs> I think too, especially if you're somebody who's into like the fitness scene in general, um, it might feel easier for you to get started where as like, I know a lot of people are like, I've never done yoga before. I've never done meditation. Like it feels like too much. Right. Yeah. Are there any other, um, recommendations, resources that are more of that like relatable approach? I mean, obviously your Instagram, but for <laughs> people who are like, oh, well, 
mindfulness is just about doing yoga every day on the beach at sunrise and I can't do that yeah. are more like easy entry points. I think really just viewing mindfulness as being present in the moment without distraction, mm -hmm. right? So like you can mindfully wash your dishes, right? Like you can mindfully take a shower, you can mindfully go for a walk. Um, and I actually love Headspace has like a lot of mindful like walking programs too, where they're like, you know, go for a 20 minute walk and they're telling you to look around, to notice the trees, like to do something while you're practicing mindfulness, I find is a lot easier for some people than just like sitting still and closing your eyes. Um, and so if you find that you have a hard time being still, I would definitely encourage you to try and practice mindfulness while doing something else. Uh, so that way it's a little bit easier to go into the present moment. Yeah, no, that is a great tip. I feel like that's something I've been trying because it can be hard even to walk mindfully in New York City when there's so much on, everyone's on their phone. I'll be looking at my phone and I'm like, what am I doing? And so <laughs> I have set that goal for myself just to literally not take out my phone while I'm walking somewhere. Like it's yeah. very easy to do. Just don't look at your phone <laughs> I mean, obviously, if I need directions, that's one thing. But in my neighborhood, I don't need to be scrolling while I'm walking. So, yeah, but it's yeah, so good for that. It is. It is. Yeah. And so can we touch on social media a bit? Like, obviously, yes. I have all my qualms about social media and diet culture and just the crazy nutrition lies it promotes. Um, how do you think social media is affecting people's anxiety? I think it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> a nice way to put it. Um, I think one of the big problems with anxiety and definitely like disordered eating too is kind of like self-esteem and self-worth and comparison and this feeling of like never being good enough and always needing to do more. And I think that social media really exasperates that, right? Mm -hmm. Very few people are showing like the hard moments. Um, there definitely are some content creators who are like, I'm crying. Let me film this. This is good content. Yes. <laughs> it's not super natural, right? And right. it's definitely not what your friends are doing. Right. And so people are posting their moments out to dinner. They're posting their times at concerts. They're posting, you know, their anniversaries. They're not posting and talking about the fight they had with their partner or the lonely night they had at home on a Saturday because no one wanted to hang out, right? Like, those aren't the things that you're seeing. And so I think it's so easy to compare like the feelings that suck with everybody else who you see doing so well. Right. And I think that can cause a lot of anxiety. It can cause a lot of shame and really cause a lot of like loneliness too, because you feel alone and you feel like you can't talk about this with anybody or you shouldn't talk about it with anybody. Absolutely. Yeah. I saw this one trend that I actually liked where people were posting on their stories. It would be like, post a picture of blank and people could like fill in the blank with what they wanted to see a photo of. And so many people said, um, post a photo of a time when you seemed happy, but you weren't. And I was uh -huh. like, Ooh, this is great because people probably saw those happy photos and had their assumptions. And like, now you get to know that, okay, that life is not what it seems. Totally. Yeah. And I think it's so hard because even as like a mental health therapist and somebody who's really trying to normalize, you know, anxiety on Instagram. Um, I have this desire to post more of those real hard moments. Mm -hmm. But when I'm struggling, like the last thing I want to do is get online and talk about it on my Instagram stories. Right. Like I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to feel better. 
And, you know, as a human, like we still experience shame and guilt. We want to hide some of those feelings from people. And so I think even the most like well-intentioned content creators are really struggling with how do I show up and be real and talk about the hard moments? Because it's not like a natural way to cope. (laughs) Yeah, because even if you are going to talk about it with people, it's probably going to be the people you're close to, not the whole internet. (laughs) Yeah, it's not like an open ether. (laughs) Like, is that really helpful to open it up to the trolls? Um, yeah, Yeah, so it's certainly hard to navigate. So how do you manage social media in your life, especially as someone who like does it professionally? How do you have that balance so that it doesn't become toxic and negative in your mental health? Yeah, so I'm very generous with the unfollow button. Um, (laughs) If I see somebody stuff that like I don't like or it rubs me the wrong way or whatever, I'm just like, I don't need to follow you. I don't need to see this in my space. Um, So that's really helpful. I set limits on my phone and I'm really bad at these. My husband always makes fun of me. I have like a 30 minute limit on Instagram per day. And I I go way over 30 minutes on Instagram. (laughs) But it will remind you every minute. You can press like remind in one minute or remind in 15 minutes that you've gone over your limit. And so I find that at least to be helpful of like, it gives me a nudge. Right. So okay. maybe I get back yeah. on again in an hour. But in that moment, it's like, ah, do I really need to continue to scroll? No, I'm going to take a break. Yeah. Okay. That's a good <laughs> tip because I had those limits on and I was like, I just ignore these every day. What is the point? But yeah. it does still remind you. I actually, <laughs> the funniest thing I heard about those screen time limits, I met someone who does, who like runs the TikTok for a nonprofit or something. So it literally yeah. is her job. She's like, yeah, I have my screen time limit set for 13 hours. Oh, my God. I was like, why? Like, at that point, why? Yeah. <laughs> but I guess, like, I don't know. I don't know. Commitment. Like every don't week, an hour. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Um, but I guess you always know you're staying in your limit. And maybe that feels good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what do you think is your, like, actual time on Instagram. I should look at my screen time. It's probably embarrassing. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) We're sharing her realness here. Screen time. Is that what it's called? Settings? Yeah. In settings, most used. Instagram is second to my messages. Oof. Wow. Yesterday, an hour and 14 minutes. Hour and a half. Two hours. (gasps) Mine's like one to two hours. Every day. Yesterday. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mine was two hours yesterday. Yeah. Mine is pretty consistently two hours, except for on the weekends. It's like 30 minutes, which is better. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's a wake up call for me. (laughs) Same. (laughs) The thing is, I'll see that. I'll check my screen time and be like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And then I don't change it. keep doing it but I'm gonna turn my limits back on (laughs) one thing that's wild to me is google maps is like my third biggest thing (laughs) and I don't know why because like how you said you know just turn on off your phone when you're walking throughout the neighborhood or like not looking at it yeah I know exactly where I'm going like I know how to get home and I have it on my map Tell me why I'm like staring at like I'm six blocks from home. I know exactly where I'm going. directions. <laughs> Maybe that's something I need to stop looking that's at. That's so funny. <laughs> the security blanket. 
Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, so staying off of social media, curating your feed. I mean, curating your feed is huge, I think, for um, filtering out diet stuff as well. Any other like must-do takeaways for people listening who are like, yes, I'm so anxious. I hate it. What else can I do today? Yeah. Going back to social media really quick, did you yeah. see that Instagram like now allows you to filter out the types of ads that you don't want to receive? Yes. You can like get rid of weight loss ads. Yes. Cause that I think is huge. And I've been like telling everybody to do that. Yes. It is amazing. Do you know the steps to, I don't think I actually looked at like the step-by-step. Yeah. Where do people do that in their Let me pull it up. Profile? So to do that, you go to settings, then you select ads, add topics, and then you can search for body weight control and press see less. Yay. Body weight and see less. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm huge on telling clients to do that. And then also curating their TikTok. I think especially for people struggling with body image, there is like, I feel like the TikTok algorithm really gets to know you well. Um, Too well. (laughs) But there is so much overlap between like almost pro and a content and like tumblr day stuff and like disordered eating and you know eating intuitively yeah i don't think that tiktok has figured out where people want to be in that realm (laughs) and so it's really really helpful to be like not interested not interested not interested Mm -hmm. and get yourself off of that tiktok because it can be like so so damaging yeah that's a great tip and you know a lot of people will tell me like oh this person posts all this diet stuff but like they're my friend, they're my cousin, whatever. And I, well, I was going to say this is the best thing to come to into Instagram. Maybe filtering ads is best, but the the mute button yeah. is one of my favorite features. Totally. <laughs> mute everybody. And then they don't have to know you're not following them because um, you will still be following them. But yeah, keep it silent and for sure hitting not interested on everything toxic. Yeah. Definitely the way to go. Great. <laughs> Um, so those are really good tips. Anything else that we didn't touch on anxiety related that you want to share? I guess just going to therapy. Yeah. Um, therapy is so important and so huge and not just like learning skills to manage your anxiety, um, but also understanding like the bigger picture and what makes you anxious and what beliefs about yourself, like fuel that anxiety um, and really, you know, kind of creating the life that you want to live. And so I would definitely encourage people to reach out to find a therapist in your area um, because you deserve not to feel anxious like every minute of every day. (laughs) Yes, yeah. And if people want to find you, work with you, work with your practice, um, where can everyone follow along with what you're up to? Yeah. So on Instagram or TikTok, you can find me at Sit With Kelly, and I have a link in my bio there where you can do everything from scheduling an intro call if you live in New York, New Jersey, or Florida, and you want to work with me. Um, I also have a self-paced course called Break Up With Anxiety, where I kind of teach like 10 of the most research-based, effective coping skills for anxiety um, that you can kind of like try out and you know have me guide you through. So you can really pick two or three that you love to practice regularly as well. Amazing. That's a great starting point. And I will link everything in the show notes as well as those apps that you mentioned. And 
I will also write out instructions to get rid of those weight loss ads. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thanks so much for chatting, Kelly. It was nice talking with you. That is our chat for today. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Kelly. If you want to work with her, I will have links in the show notes to her Instagram and all the ways you can connect with her. I hope you had some great takeaways. If you did, definitely rate and review the podcast, share it with a friend, come on over to my Instagram and let me know what you think as well as any suggestions for future shows. Um, This is a new project and I would love to hear from you what you're looking for, what you like, so I can really make some good content and tune in for the next show.